This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. God, for the glory of his name, is reconciling and reclaiming all things to himself. He's just yearning for you. He's longing for you. He wants friendship and relationship with you. He needs you. Oh, you're breaking his heart. No, he's going to break you. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. This like when you say, I, I just can't believe in a God that would, you realize it doesn't matter. You don't get to define God. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us a man who knows the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? Thank you for tuning in to Matter of Theology. Matter of Theology is a podcast production by Faithful Life Ministries where we address church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint. We seek to bring biblical truths despite what popular movements of the day teach or peer pressure. We are now on Patreon, for those of you that are wondering. Uh, if you would like to partner with us, head on over to patreon.com slash matteroftheology and become a subscriber. We have a variety of plans for you to choose from. Um uh, Really, uh, if we could get like 10 people to be like $10 subscribers, that would go a long way. Yeah, would. that would go a long way. Uh, but you know, we also have plan that's five bucks and guess what? You know, if you're, a, will even throw in, throw this in that if you become a five or $10 subscriber for, let's say six months. We'll throw in some of the deals for some of the higher up uh, subscribers, you know, yeah. um, just to kind of get things rolling. But uh, today, what we're going to talk about a little, it might be a short show. Maybe we'll see. Um, usually, whenever we, we start talking, it doesn't turn out very short. Oh, and Josh isn't here to keep us. Uh, keep Josh us in is line. not here <laughs> to keep us in line. So there is no time limit. Anyways. <laughs> We are going to be discussing some of the G3 conference that just happened here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, the The theme this year, the topic was worship mm. and what a necessary topic it is because worship in church today um, has become very superficial. It has become very feeding of the flesh. It's become very consumer driven. Uh, it has become basically a concert. And we're talking about, of course, this immediately refers to worship in song, but the whole church service in itself has become catered to the individual that comes to sit in the chairs or in the pews. And the problem is, if you cater to the individual, you actually lose worship, true worship to God. The individual becomes who you worship and not God. Yeah, and I would go so far as to say, um, really, uh, everything we do is worship, mm-hmm. uh, and and Scripture speaks to that. I, I'm, I think of you know Colossians three seventeen and twenty three, and Colossians three seventeen says, "And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him." And uh, Colossians three twenty three is 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 uh, is speaks to that as well, um, but all of life is worship, and uh, and so the the wonderful thing about the conference with the theme being worship uh, is it didn't just center around the worship service. It's it, it was really all encompassing worship uh, in a, in a personal way, uh, personal worship, uh, family worship. Uh, how did the Puritans view worship? Uh, which which I Hated it that I missed that session, so I'm really, really looking forward to going back in here and hearing Dr. Beaky talk about that. Um, so, but, but really, it it all it all starts there. It it, uh, it, it all starts with um, who is on the throne 
in your life? Who is on the throne of your heart? Uh, whose are you? Are you his workmanship or your own? Uh, is he your Lord or are you your Lord? Um, and, 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 and that's, that's really, uh, that, that was one of the big takeaways for me. I mean, personally, and anybody who knows me and spends any amount of time talking to me understands that, uh, as far as the, the worship and song aspect of it, uh, is something that I've been talking about for a long time. Uh, as far as the need to make sure, uh, that everything, especially in the church, uh, is centered and regulated. There's the word regulated yes. yeah. by the word of God. Uh, and to quote Paul Washer, uh, you know, don't, 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 don't say that you hold to the infallibility and the inerrancy, uh, of scripture. If you don't believe in its sufficiency, uh, and, and you don't think that it is all inclusive enough to regulate all that is done inside the church when it comes to worship or in your own personal life when it comes to worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was that that was a huge, uh, a, a huge conviction and exhortation uh, for me. And, and we'll get into that and maybe get into what, you know, what we experienced uh, on Sunday at, uh, at Praise Mill yeah. uh, as well, because uh, I, I think that was just a continuation of uh of that. So, but Hey man, you know, there's, there's been a lot that's gone on since we, since we got together last, uh, yeah. their Drewski. Yeah. So, um, I wasn't actually able to attend the G3 conference except um, for now yeah, you were there. You were there. Well, I, I went, I drove all the way <laughs> down to, to the South side of Atlanta. And if you're from Atlanta and you know, the drive to South you, side Atlanta, you understand, <laughs> you understand the struggle. So, Getting down there, you it, you have to want to go down there. Yeah. To you gotta get, want it to go to College Park, okay? Uh, but I went down there for about forty five minutes or so because my wife gave birth to our baby boy named yeah. Jeremiah Lawson, and uh, he strong is a name man, strong name, yeah, and he was a big baby. Yes, he was. Uh, so uh, those of you that are listening listening to this, if you could pray for us, uh, pray for my wife especially. She had to have a C-section. Um, so, And she had to have a C-section because he was not coming out the conventional way. He was face up. Uh, he hadn't even made his way uh, to the birth canal yet. And my wife was just suffering um, in pain. Uh, and she's a trooper, man. I'm telling you, she is a tough girl. But uh, we get what's funny is we get back there and, uh, you know, I'm sitting with her uh, on one side of 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 the curtain. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the the anesthesiologist is back there and she says, you know, oh, all right, dad, get your phone ready. And so I get my phone ready to take pictures and, and she goes, all right, he's a, and I, I hear him crying. And it's one of those things that just kind of breaks you. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I. I hear him crying and she said, all right, you can take pictures. So I get, I poke my head over the curtain and I go, that's a big boy. I mean, he was eight pounds, 13 ounces, 20 inches long. And my wife is about five, two. Yeah. Uh, She's little. So, but uh, he's healthy. Um, You know, we're very blessed and uh, she's recovering right now. And it's just, it's amazing to kind of step back and see because right now we've only been, you know, at home for about two days and me, I have no clue what I'm doing, but to watch her, the motherly instinct just Mm -hmm. kick in Mm -hmm. and she just immediately knows what to do. I'm just like, wow. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. It's amazing to watch. Um, and so I try to encourage her in that all the time, just how blown away I am uh, at what she's doing. Um, so I w- that's why I wasn't able to be there at the conference, went for a little bit, um, got to got to talk to some people, meet some people, uh, got to meet Virgil Walker from Just Thinking. Uh, so go over and follow them, listen to them, because we reference them all the time. Oh, yes, please um, do. If, if you've been listening to us for any, any matter of time, you know, we, we reference them often, Yep. uh, got to meet them, got to meet the cross politic guys, Toby Sumter, chocolate Knox. Uh, that was always a treat. Um, and I didn't really get to 
to see Dr. Lawson because I probably picked the worst time to try to talk to him. Because yeah, he, he, <laughs> he, you know, if you know Dr. Lawson, he's one of the, he's focused when he's, when, when he's doing what he needs to do, he's focused. Oh yeah. Um, and he was going from an interview with Todd Friel to an interview with Josh Bice. And it was just not the best time to talk to him. Um, well, they were also filming American gospel three. That's right. Uh, yeah. There. And he was involved with that. So, right. Uh, so, but have no fear, man. I know you didn't get to spend a lot of time with him. I know he was on the move, but I mm-hmm. did on, on yeah. the first day of the conference. Uh, I did get a few minutes with him. I, I did show him a picture of Lawson. Uh, and, uh, cause we, we did back in September. Uh, he was, um, here in, at Josh Bice's church at Praise Mill Baptist Church, uh, to preach. And so, uh, Drew and I went. And, and Brandy, Brandy was with yep. us. And, yep. and so we got to, Brandy got to meet him and, and we got to, you know, you guys got to tell him, Hey, you know, we're having a, having a little boy and, uh, we're naming him Jeremiah Lawson and, uh, here's why. Uh, yeah. so, so that, that was cool. That was yeah. a cool moment too. What was really cool is while I didn't really get to talk to, to Dr. Lawson, I did talk to his wife yeah. and I showed his wife a picture and she was blown away as well. That's cool, man. Um, and she actually uh, gave me some advice on some baby books. So I bought them. So thank you, Dr. Lawson. And thank yes. you, uh, Mrs. Dr. Lawson. And yes. uh, which Anne was also very helpful for us last year um, mm-hmm. when going to the Shepherds Conference and That's right. gave us some great pointers. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, right out of the gate uh, and I had the opportunity to uh, – to participate in an expository workshop uh, that, that G3 was was uh, was doing with uh, Dr. Tom Buck, uh, Dr. Derek Thomas, and Dr. Vody Bacham, and um, that was an incredible time. Uh, and we went through as a group. Uh, we went through the book of Second Timothy, uh, and man, uh, did they did they share some some phenomenal wisdom with. Um, ways to make sure that you're expositing the text correctly, rightly dividing the word of truth, uh, a workman approve a craftsman, mm-hmm. uh, of the scriptures. And so, uh, that of course, from a personal standpoint, as a believer, we are all called, uh, to be obedient to God's word. Um, you know, part of the great commission is teaching them to obey, uh, the, the word. And so, uh, and, in Matthew and then in Mark, we see that teaching them all that I've commanded you. And of course the Lord himself, uh, prayed that we would be sanctified by truth and his word is truth. And, uh, so just from a personal standpoint, that was, that was great. And then, uh, the, the desire to be an expositor, uh, and Lord willing, uh, the opportunity to do so, um, you know, from, from a preaching standpoint, uh, th- 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 this, this time was invaluable. So, uh, not that, uh, you know, Dr. Buck or Dr. Thomas or Dr. Bacham would ever listen to this, but if they do, thank you, gentlemen, uh, that time was, was precious. Uh, and being able to do that with guys uh, like Kofi and, uh, Brandon Scalf, who are friends of ours through social media world, but, uh, being able to, to, to meet Brandon and hang out with him, uh, was pretty cool. And, uh, open some opportunities up that we'll get yep. into as the, as the year progresses. So, uh, so that was awesome now, but, uh, but getting into the content, uh, of the conference that, that that's really what we wanted to do is just kind of download, uh, and, and, and we're just a few days away at this point of recording this episode. We're just a few days out from the conference itself. And so, uh, I'm still digesting, uh, a lot of it, I was, um, I was not able to go day two, but I went uh, day one and day three. Um, uh, but I did on day two was able to listen to a good di- bit of, uh, the messages, um, uh, from, from Paul Washer and, uh, Dr. Lawson, um, uh, and a Q and a that was done. So, um, but really, uh, I mean, one of the highlights and we just, we already talked about just thinking, but one of the highlights for me was being able to sit in on the uh, the live recording of woke worship, uh, which was phenomenal, and there's there's one quote that I shared on social media that was awesome, and and it's uh, Daryl Harrison said, "quote The mission of the church is not to look more like you. The mission of the church is to help you look more like Christ. That's mm-hmm. it. Bottom line." Yep. Uh, so they address the issue of ethnicity being the golden calf. 
uh, of of a lot of churches, especially what we're finding now. I mean, especially over the last year with the introduction of uh, CRT, which to define that for anybody listening who doesn't know is critical race theory uh, and intersectionality. And basically what that what that means is uh, what a lot of people are trying to push. And those people that are trying to push it uh, are disciples of men and heretics like James Cone. Yeah, uh, right. and, and I, I wouldn't, uh, I don't, I don't know that I'd go so far as to label guys like Jamar Tisby a heretic. Uh, and I wouldn't, I don't think, um, I don't know a lot about what else he believes personally. I would but... say deceived, deceived in this area. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, but Jamar Tisby, Eric Mason, Matt Chandler, uh, you know, uh, Curtis Woods, uh, really pushed this at the, uh, the Southern Baptist convention, uh, in 2019, uh, really pushed critical race theory and intersectionality as, uh, interpretive analytical tools in now intersectionality real quick is, um, yeah. what it does is it breaks groups down into smaller groups, right? Right. So you have, say you have a church, well, uh, or we'll just say a building, we'll say a building that's full of people. Well, right. in that building, you would immediately, you would separate black and white, right? But then you would separate black men from black women and then white men from white women and white men with blue eyes, white men with green eyes, white men with brown, you know, you keep br- bringing up these, these, uh, um, what would you say? distinctions right these individual distinctions that continue to further separate people out and the problem is when you hold to intersectionality eventually all you are left with is the individual yourself because ultimately there's no one like you right there is uh and it really is antithetical to the gospel because the gospel says we are all equal those of us who are in christ we're all equal in christ the foot is level um, the ground's level at the foot of the cross. We are all sinners, uh, but also intersectionality, as much as it divides and segregates, when you couple that with uh, critical race theory, what that does is that has to naturally elevate one race over another. Right. And so what you really end up seeing is you see that this this particular race uh, is not capable of sin. If racism is in fact sin, one race is not capable of sin. They're the result that they receive the result of the, the sin of racism, while the other is the culprit of the sin. Right. Right. But the problem is if it, if racism is sin, then it is sin across the board universally, Mm. no matter your skin color. So what critical race theory does is it says these people are capable of this sin of racism. These people are not capable of this sin of racism. And what you end up seeing is people who do know the gospel. I would say people like Matt Chandler and Eric Mason, they know the gospel. Right. Amen. Yeah. They know it. The problem is their application of it in this category. And if you have, if you know the right gospel, but you have the wrong application of it, then ultimately you do have a gospel that cannot save because well, it's being misapplied. We, we have to remember, we have to remember that we have to yield to the text. We have to yeah. yield to what scripture says. The text, and this is something that Tom Buck talked about in the expository preaching workshop, is he said that the text has to be king. The, the mm-hmm. text is, and, and what you're talking about is a framework or a yep. lens. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what they're using it as. And, um, and, and, and frameworks and lenses are not bad in and of themselves. However, in this situation, the, that framework is being elevated above what the text of scripture mm-hmm. says concerning ethnicities, not race. There's one race, there's one right. human race, um, but different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we have to allow the text to be King. The text mm-hmm. is authoritative over our, our framework. And, um, and, and Drew, just like you said, you know, scripture speaks to that just very quickly. Uh, Colossians three, starting at verse 10, uh, I think I want to start in verse 10. Uh, No, no, I'm going to back up. Start in verse 8. But now you also uh, put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew 
circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man. But Christ is all and in all. Um, that's just one. There are multiple examples in the whole of Scripture uh, that that speak out against this. And so, and 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 again, we we will continue to point people to the Just Thinking podcast because Daryl yeah. and Virgil um, really do exhaust this. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, in a positive way, yeah. uh, the, the, this whole thing and break it down from a biblical standpoint and why people like James Cone, Jamar Tis, you know, Jamar Tisby and Eric Mason and Matt Chandler and, and the people who are at Curtis Woods and the people who are pushing, uh, the, the, this framework, um, of, uh, critical race theory and intersectionality, why it's not biblical, why they need to stop doing it. Um, another great resource founders ministries put out a documentary that is free to watch called by what yep. standard it is produced excellent. by the chocolate Knox. That's right. Produced. Or, by, he direct directed it. And he, and he filmed it. No, no, no. Yeah, he, he, he produced it, it too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We talked about it. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, uh, Daryl, uh, Daryl and Virgil did a great job go, just going back to, you know, G3 did a great job with that podcast. It is live. Uh, so if you're listening to this, go check out the just thinking podcast. That latest episode mm -hmm. right now anyway, is, uh, is woke worship, uh, yeah. recorded live at the G3 conference. So, yeah. and ultimately, you know, to kind of bring it back when you engage in, in that kind of, uh, distinction amongst sin and misapplication of the gospel, it leads you to a false worship because it takes away from yeah. the worship of yep. the one true God and you end up worshiping man. That's right. It's a, it, it takes it from being theocentric to, to, you know, anthrocentric. I don't think that's a word. But, Anthro uh, anthropocentric. Anthropus. Ah, oh, see, they did. look at you, yeah. man, my man. Uh, so there you go. And, you know, Kind of, kind of kicking off into the rest of the conference, and you know, one of the quotes that Dr. John MacArthur read uh, was uh, a very short quote from John Calvin. It says, "Quote: God disapproves of all modes of worship not explicitly expressed in Scripture." Period. Close quote. Um, and so that th that's it. Um, I mean, it, it is a regulative versus normative versus imaginative principle. And Josh Bice did a phenomenal job during the first session of breaking that down, uh, what breaking down what each of those are. And he did, did so using, uh, Timothy, I think it was first Timothy four, um, and did a wonderful job at that. Uh, and then another, another thing that stood out to me, man, was, uh, was Vody. Um, and he said that, uh, you know, uh, regarding submission to God and God ordained authorities, he said, if you have a problem with submission, it's not really a submission problem. It's a worship problem. Yep. That's right. Um, which and, is powerful. Yeah. If you just like stop for a moment, step back and think about that. If you have a problem with submission, it's truly a worship problem. Now think about why it would be a worship problem. Just Think about it for a moment, meditate on it, okay, and then we'll, we may revisit it. I may ask you at the end what what you learned from it. <laughs> Pop quiz. Um. So so yeah. Uh, and then uh, let's see. Gosh, what else, man? Um. Uh. The the Q and A day one was was uh, absolute. I mean, what a panel on that mm -hmm. stage. Yeah, uh, you know, you had Tim Challies, Josh Bice. Um, trying to think backwards here. Vody MacArthur, John MacArthur, Lawson. Steve Lawson, uh, and then the moderator. I think I think mm -hmm. that was it. Um, and they just they just talked about worship, man. They just they did, and uh, what a great reminder. And and a lot of them did yield to Dr. MacArthur. I mean, he's as Tim Challey said, and he he wrote a blog that released uh, after G three. He said, uh, you know, he's he's earned that right. So I, I, I didn't want to, I was wanting to be last to, to speak up and, and, uh, and say anything. So, uh, but they went through and talked about, you know, different books that have helped him as far as personal worship or corporate worship. And, uh, you know, that there were a few of them, there, there, there were a couple of books that, that, um, that most of them recommended. And one of them I had to go get, I actually got the last copy of the bookstore was the attributes of God by A.W. Pink. Mm -hmm. Um, and really, when you when you drill down to the, the 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 conference as a whole, 
and uh, and really what uh, what what they were talking about. The A.W. Pink hits it right in the introduction, um, and, and he says this. He he, he quotes Jeremiah nine. 23 and 34, uh, 23 through 24. And it says, uh, quote, thus says the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Yep. I'm going to read it in that version. I'm going to do it. <laughs> let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty glory in his might. Let not the rich glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me that I am the Lord. So, uh, uh, and, and A.W. Pink says this, a spiritual and saving knowledge of God is the greatest need of every human creature. And the foundation of all true knowledge of God must be a clear mental apprehension of his perfections as revealed in holy scripture. Close quote. More than just a theoretical knowledge, uh, you know, God is only known when we yield ourselves to him and submit to his authority to regulate all the details of our lives uh, by his holy precepts and his commandments, close quote again. Mm. So, so that was, that was the basis of, of, of it all is that, that really we say we believe in scripture. We say we want to worship the Lord. Um, but we all fall short, right? Mm -hmm. When MacArthur was talking about how many, how the ways that you can take the Lord's name in vain, that was super convicting. Super convicting. But then he came back with this quote. He said, quote, Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty for all our corrupt worship. Close quote. Um, and, uh, you know, music is, is not worship. Music is poetry with melody. It's not, it's not necessarily worship. Uh, and that's one of the things that, you know, there's, there's a, there's a pretty famous, uh, worship leader. I'm putting that in air quotes, uh, that, that I follow on, on social media. And, and he's been putting these quotes, um, about what worship is and, and, you know, and it's just, he's, it, I've said this before on the podcast, but I, I think the word worship has been hijacked. Yeah, it has. It's been, it, it's been hijacked by, uh, and this is in no particular order. And this is not all inclusive, meaning that I'm saying that everybody who does this is 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 doing this. It's been hijacked by those who uh, either number one are ignorant when it comes to the sufficiency of Scripture. Uh, number two, don't care about the sufficiency of Scripture, uh, and, and are just just doing it, um, you know, willy nilly. They're winging it. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which uh, Dr. Tom Askell had a lot to say about that during his session on the reverence of worship, um, you know, uh, or, 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 or they, they're just, they're just trying to, to make money off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we, we've, we've cheapened that word. Um, right. we, we've hijacked that word. Um, when I, you know, and, and I can't remember who said this and Vody Vody quoted it multiple times, but uh, worship is our response, both personal and corporate to who God is and all he, all that he has done. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, that's the whole, the whole church service yeah. on a, on a Sunday morning is a conversation between God and, and the, the members of the church, the congregation, right? It's the, the call to worship and the reading of scripture, and then our response to the worthiness and glory of God, and then the prayer of confession, right? And then the receiving of the forgiveness, mm-hmm. and then the preaching of the word, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the response, uh, the, whole, the whole church service is a conversation, and it's, it's worship, mm-hmm. right? Worship is something we, we give. It's not something we, we receive. And it, so if you come into worship— as thinking you're going to receive something from it, right? Like when people go to these big, huge, extravagant concert slash conferences that are more fluff than anything, they're looking to, to receive an experience and then they call it the Holy Spirit, but it's not mm. the Holy Spirit because it's not lasting. That's right. So they go to receive an experience rather than to actually give worship to God. Yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately it's, it's not worship because the, in, in, in that mode, it's not worship because the, the focus on that is not God. The focus on that right. is yourself. Yourself the and your experience. That, the focus on that is your, your feelings. The focus mm-hmm. on that is your, what you're getting out of it. 
And mm-hmm. ultimately what that means is that, uh, again, you're not worshiping God. You're worshiping a feeling that you have about God. Uh, so ultimately you are worshiping yourself. And then from the church leader standpoint, the worship leader, the song leader, the pastor standpoint, you know, one of the things that Dr. MacArthur said, he said, quote, if you think the congregation is the audience of your, for your worship, you don't understand the purpose of worship. <laughs> I like that. Like you, you, you don't. And then, uh, and then one of the things that Tom Askell said, um, is, is he said, you know, to, and, be, and, and going right along with that, he said, quote, too often we approach worship as a matter of convenience rather than a matter of our need to meet with and hear from God. Right. That's the point mm-hmm. that is. So if, if I had to, Again, we have we, we just decided to do a little download, a little mental download, and let you guys in on on just us talking about it. Um, and so the the whole point of worship is number one to gather and to and to give God to ascribe God to God the glory due His name because of the intrinsic value and the attributes of God. Period. Mm-hmm. All again, remember that quote I just I just read. Worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to who God is and what He's done. So that's the number one, number one point. If we're moving into talking about Lord's Day worship, mm-hmm. that's the number one point. The second point is that we are teaching and admonishing one another. The Scripture says by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Right. So the congregation is not the audience; the Lord is. But we benefit from that interaction, that conversation, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It's not just when we go into worship God, because think about just the the Ten Commandments, right? The two tables of the law. The first table is vertical. The second table is horizontal. Well, mm-hmm. when when we gather together corporately to praise and worship God, where our first response is vertical, That's but right. that doesn't mean there's not a horizontal aspect to it as we oh, as ministering to one another. Well, that, that's why Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling that's, of the saints. That's right. And that's, that's why. Right. Uh, it, it's it's a means of grace. Yes. Um, that, that, that's that's exactly why. And, and, and you guys, I mean, th- this is the need to make sure that it is regulated by Scripture. It, it, this is the bride of Christ. And... If you guys want to hear an excellent example, uh, or not example, but illustration of the reason that we stick to the regulative principle, go, go, go look up Paul Washer, his illustration of the King's bride. Yep. Just go look it up. I'm not going to get into it. And if you can't wait until the, this year's G3 messages, don't worry, because he said it in last year's as well. He sure did. He sure did. Uh, so we have to remember that. Um, so, and and then we have to remember too that when it comes to how we structure those services, again, going back to Dr. MacArthur, yes, I'm going to quote him a lot. Get over it. Um, for those of you who say, I don't like to listen to Dr. MacArthur because he's fill in the blank. Well, guess what? He's an elder statesman. He's shown himself approved, rightly dividing the word of truth yeah. for over 50 years. So whether you like it or not, Oh, well, um, anyway, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Um, cause I almost, I, Oh, okay. The Psalms, the book of Psalms are, they're called the hymns of the redeemed, mm-hmm. not the hymns of the lost. Yep. We need to stop for those of you that go to seeker sensitive churches. I would implore you if the leadership of those churches, and I'm going to step in it here but I'm going to step in it because it's needed to be stepped in. If the leadership of those churches refuses, if they absolutely refuse to change how they're catering their services and they're choosing to cater those services around to entertain the goats and to not equip the saints, equip the sheep for the works of service, you don't need to be at that church. Period. Uh, Daryl Harrison, one of the guys on the Just Thinking podcast, he said this. He said, quote, if there's one truth the evangelical church, particularly in America, must comes to grips with, it is that the church, by definition, is to be hated by the world, not loved by it. The purity of the church is gauged by how much it is rejected by the world, not embraced by it. Mm-hmm. Now watch what happens. Close quote. <laughs> 
So I would say this, John 15, 19, Jesus said, these are Jesus's words. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world because of this, the world hates you. And he also says something similar in his great high priestly prayer in John 17, 4. So I would say this, if you are in a church that looks more like the world and not more like Christ, is more concerned with entertaining the goats than feeding the sheep and leadership, and you've done so in love and according to the scriptures, and leadership refuses to change what they're doing, you have a responsibility for the purity of the bride and your own sanctification of your heart. And if you're a man of your family's heart, you need to go find a church that is going to seek to preach the word of God and honor God and be regulated by his word in all that they do. So and, and the, the reason I say that is because, because of, because of this, ultimately you know, we're, we're told in scripture um, that, uh, that, that for pastors and shepherds, that, that if your desire is to be a pastor, a shepherd, an elder, you've desired a noble task. Okay. Um, those pastors and shepherds will be held accountable for those in their charge. Um, and, and especially talking to men, husbands and fathers, you will be held accountable for your immediate number one ministry. And that's your family. Mm -hmm. And that's convicting. And that should kick all of us men right in the teeth. Yep. Um, but we have to also remember that the Lord cares for the purity of his church. He does. Yeah. And if your church, if the church that you're in looks more like the world, they're more concerned and they're telling, you know, telling you things like I've been told before, Hey, don't pray. We're no, we're not going to pray right now. No, you know, we don't need to read scripture or, um, no, we, we don't want, we, we don't want to do that. Or no, we're going to, we're going to play, we're going to play the latest Taylor Swift song because the next time they hear that, uh, they'll think of church and not mm -hmm. Taylor Swift. To which I say, that's stupid. It is. Yeah. It's, uh, it is what, well, one of the things Paul Washer said in his message was the responsibility of the, of the pastor, right? Who you've been entrusted to, to, to lead and shepherd. It's a privilege. Your job yeah. is mercy, to, yeah is to study scripture for hours a day and teach and lead your congregation, right? You are to sow in God's field. The problem is many pastors today are sowing a seed that God has not given them. Well, and so ultimately what that's doing is that's, that is taking the Lord's name in vain. Yes. That is a prime example of taking the Lord's name in vain. And that, that is thinking less of him. It's thinking less of his word and it's doing what he told you not to do. Mm -hmm. You don't did. We don't get to just willy nilly it. We That's don't right. get to wing it. That's right. not the way it works. Yeah. So in, uh, while I was in the hospital with my wife, I was doing a little bit of reading in Stephen Charnock's volume one of his works. Now, once you get the first real chapter in the existence and attributes of God is on God as a spirit. And in this Charnock, what he does is he, he dissects John four talking where the, where Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well. And, and he says, those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, in talking about God as spirit, Charnock says, this is how God says we are to worship. It is on his terms. It is in his way. We are not to come to him in any other way other than what he demands. And if he had demanded any other way, he would have made it known to us. Yeah. Which is why we don't hold to the normative principle. And anyone who, who does hold to the normative principle, that's a shame. That's sad. But the, the regulative principle, what it does is it says, this is what God demands. This is what pleases God. This is what he requires. Therefore, I'm going to do what God has instructed me to do, and I don't need to add anything to it, because anything else that I add to it that God has not prescribed is ultimately a worship of self, because it makes me feel fill in the blank. Amen.
Amen and right on. Uh, and <sighs> and that's why preachers, uh, to quote Dr. Lawson, you're not free to reinvent preaching. He tells you how to preach in his word. This is not your time for your TED Talk or your 10 ways to do whatever. Okay, this is the time to preach the word because this is the pre- the reading of the word. When when you step into the pulpit to read the word, that is the most infallible portion of your message. That's right. That's that when the scriptures are read, that's the only infallible portion mm-hmm. of the of the Lord's day service. That that's it. That's the only infallible and perfect perfect uh, portion of that. So. I will quote Dr. Lawson uh, here because I agree with this statement. Um, and if you have any issues with this, just email Andy Stanley at northpointchurch.org. Uh, so um, just kidding. You can email me. I don't care. Uh, he says, quote, if you say you believe in the sufficiency of Scripture and do not preach expositionally, you are a total contradiction to your own beliefs. Close quote. Mm-hmm. I, and I agree with that. Now, I'm going to take this a step further because this this part, this next part of the conference during Paul Washer's message, and then and then when we get done here, there, there's a there, there is something I want to throw out here about conferences and and speakers at conferences, and you know exactly what I'm going to say, but but I, it needs to be said. It needs to be said. So he said this. He said, "Quote Paul Washer. We not only need the soteriology of John Calvin, but the pastoring." Yeah. And then he also said at, at, along those same lines, quote, I walk into some churches and I go to the pastoral library and I see John Calvin everywhere. And then I see this super, I see them superficially deal with the souls of men. And I realize they have not understood Calvin, the Puritans or anyone else. Mm-hmm. Close quote. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important because today pastors are losing the sense of actual pastoring. And even in even in our own camp, even in the reformed mm-hmm. camp, yeah. the those who would say and, and that's why I read that first quote, it's just like, you know, uh, the reform being reformed isn't just holding to the doc, uh, a reformed doctrine of soteriology. Mm-hmm. It's a reformed doctrine of pastoring and shepherding and 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 putting the same, you know, yes, you're spending those hours, you know, tens of hours or more into the the studies, the diligent studies of the scriptures. But but then what are you doing? What are your elders doing to care for the souls of men? Yes, small groups are important. Yes, Sunday school is important. It's crucial to have that stuff. But ultimately, your Sunday school leaders and your small group leaders aren't being held accountable for the souls of your flock. That's right. Yeah, oftentimes, really what we see is um, we see pastors who focus on one portion of the job of pastor and then put the responsibility on someone else. Right. So if you, if you're going to say that you're a pastor, well then fulfill the job of pastor and not just the one job of preaching. Amen. Because at that point you're just a preacher and you're not a pastor. Uh, but ultimately this, and now, now we're not saying that preaching isn't, isn't important. I mean, Oh, it's it's, it's, it's huge. Yeah. To refute, uh, Francis Chan, from from a, a couple of weeks ago, pa, uh, preaching the preaching of the word has always been central to the the church service. Okay, hello Acts two. Yes, <laughs> it, it has always been essential, and even the it, even in the Puritan days, Joel Beakey talked about this. He said people wouldn't say we're going to a worship experience or we're just going to church. Oh, they would say we're going to sermon. We're going to hear sermon because that was ultimately what was going to the reading and preaching of the word was was going to fill them up. It was going to teach them the word of God. It was going to train them in the ways of God. And then the husband a lot of times would take notes and he would go to their family, go home to their family and teach it to their family throughout the week. Yeah. In in yep. family worship. Yep. Well, it, uh, reading the Great Awakening. Reading the Great Great Awakening, you see these Presbyterian uh, pastors. You see, uh, you see uh, Whitfield and and uh, Gilbert Tennant and Jonathan Edwards. And one of the main things that they, they would spend hours, 
with those professing faith in Christ to ensure uh, that that was happening. You know, uh, I mean, a, a true believer, um, saving grace, uh, this was said, this was said at the conference, saving grace is transforming grace. I don't remember who said it. Paul Washer. Um, oh, was well, it he, Paul? Said, okay. he said it on Sunday. Oh, okay. Okay. That was Sunday at Praise Mill. Uh, so, so there will be, there, there will be proof and there will be works as a result of your salvation. Mm-hmm. You aren't saved by works, but there will be fruit from that. But that's, that's what pastors did in the Puritan era. That's what, that's what the, the apostles did. You know, I mean, when you read Acts 2, that section of Acts 2, which I, you know what? I'll flip to it. While I'm flipping, you keep going. <laughs> Man, just kind of put me on the spot there. Oh, but no, what this what, really, and I know it sounds like we're going on a bunch of different tangents and stuff, but all this, every aspect of the Christian life is to be worshiped to God, right? So so if your worship begins and stops on Sunday morning, then you really need to check your heart. You really need to check your devotion to God because it doesn't, it doesn't begin and stop on Sundays. What it does is it carries over into your family. It carries mm-hmm. over into your work. It carries over into every single aspect of your life. The this really is when you see uh, what Paul Washer talking was talking about at Praise Mill on Sunday, or or the Sunday after G three is the the works of a Christian. Yeah, are you a Christian? You're not a Christian because of your works. Your works flow from the transformation of That's the right. Holy Spirit. That's right. Who who has worked inside of you. So now the works that you do as a result of the heart of stone becoming a heart of flesh are now actually worship to God. That's right. That's so right. so walking in a manner that is worthy of the gospel, walking as though you actually uh, believe what you claim to believe. Walking it out, growing in holiness is actually worship to God. And it, mm. but it doesn't stop on Sunday when you just show up in your Sunday best. And most people don't actually show up in their Sunday best. Uh, they look like they just rolled out of bed, <laughs> which is, you know what? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna go here too. I believe that can be considered worship to God as well, because we live. Chris and I live in the South. Okay, lot, of, lot of Trump voters around here okay <laughs> now i don't care i don't care about your your political affiliation i don't care who you voted for whatever but a lot of people and, and, and even if i'll say i'm a conservative but even if when obama was president if they were to say hey you have an opportunity to meet the president what am i going to do i'm going to show respect for the office and i'm going to put on my i'm going to find my best suit i'm going to make sure it's yeah. pressed i'm going to make sure my shirt's ironed i'm going to make sure my tie looks good right i'm going to make sure my shoes are shined we put in more effort to meet a man than we do to meet with the king of kings on sunday morning because ultimately because we've cheapened sunday mornings it's not the most important day to us anymore mm. so when we actually get dressed in the morning we can say or and i do say at least for myself this is a form of worship to God. I'm bringing not just the best of my soul, but even the the minute things as far as how I dress before the Lord. And I'm bringing him my absolute best. Now, that doesn't mean you have to wear a, a tuxedo and all that stuff. But at least if you're going to go through the effort to make yourself more presentable to a sinful man than you are to the holy God, there's a problem. There's There's a heart problem. There's a disconnect there. That'll preach. It will. It will. That'll preach. But I won't go there right now. I think I went there enough. <laughs> hey, man, we're just we're just two guys. It doesn't matter. We're just two guys sitting here talking about stuff. Man. Talking about theology, man. That's right. <laughs> Downloading. Uh, well, and uh, you know, go, going going back to uh, you know going back to what we were saying about about uh, going back to what we were saying concerning. Uh, what, you know, the, the responsibility and job of a pastor, uh, when you see, you know, when you see in the scriptures, um, Acts 2 says uh, in verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles teaching 
and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer, uh, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place throughout the apostle through the apostles. Uh, so we're not going to get into the, the, that part of it, but, but the point is, is er, they were devoted to the apostles teaching. Everybody was, everybody was. Um, and, and the responsibility of those apostles was the care for the sheep. Um, so that is very, very, very true. Uh, so, uh, just a couple more things. And then I have a, I have a question, you know, or, or something, something that you may get, uh, when talking about this, I mean, and let, let's say you went to G3 and you take this stuff to the leadership of your church and what, one of the responses that you may get. So we want to talk about that and then we'll, then we'll, then we'll wrap it up. We've gone a little bit longer than normal. Um, Oh, I hear a baby cry. So one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite talks um, was Dr. Tom Askell, uh, who is the president of Founders Ministry, the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Uh, amazing man, loved the opportunity to get to meet him, uh, and I'm thankful he was there. Uh, if you don't know why, go 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 look on Founders website and 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 follow what what happened to him uh, in December. So, but he talked about reverence and worship, and I already read one of the quotes. Is you know too often we we approach worship as a matter of convenience rather than a mat rather than as a matter of our need to meet and hear meet with and hear from God. Uh, and he says what this means, brothers and sisters, is that we are not free to just simply wing it when it comes to worship. There has to be intentionality behind it. And that's everything from personal worship to family worship to corporate worship with the saints on, on Lord's Day. It's, it's something that must be intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he quoted, you know, and, and we're, we're going to fall short, right? We're, we're all going to fall short. And please hear us. We're not sitting here poking holes in everything that we see wrong. That Who do you guys think you are? No, 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 that's not it. We're just, again, just downloading. And there are things and there are issues and there are things that by the grace of God that we see. But he quoted, of course, the great Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He says, quote, I am a great sinner. Christ is a great savior. Uh, so and then lastly, last thing I wanted to talk about was Costi. Costi Hinn, uh, what an amazing talk. What an amazing sermon. It wasn't a talk. It was a sermon. That boy preached. Um, and he, he got at it. He talked about the Holy Spirit's role in worship. And of course, he comes from that charismatic mm-hmm. world, the nephew of Benny Hinn. He was on Benny's staff. He was a catcher. Uh, he's written a couple of fantastic books. And we've talked about Defining Deception a lot. Uh, God, Greed, and the Prosperity Gospel. Excellent. Excellent book. I could not put that down right in a day. I could not put that sucker down. Um, but he said this, and this is so true. He started talking about the fact that we, all of us personally, need to reevaluate what's in our playlists. And that we just can't, he said, quote, don't get sucked into the notion that music is harmless and that lyrics can be a little off because it's poetry. And so we sing poetic and just a little bit of off lyrics, but demand our preachers preach accurately. That's hypocrisy. Close quote. Your passions can lie to you, he says. And he is absolutely right. So, and, 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 and he is a hundred, 100% correct. Music is a vehicle that, that speaks to our heart and helps us memorize in our minds. And so if we're listening to songs from Bethel who don't believe in the deity of Christ, it's an Arian heresy. We've talked about that a ton on this podcast. Go back and listen to those episodes, but it's true. If you want to talk about that, reach out to us. They are heretics, period, paragraph. If you're sitting here listening to it's stuff that has no truth in it. Or as uh, Dr. John MacArthur calls them, seven eleven choruses, you know, the same seven words, 11 times. Um, but, but the lyrics are just a little bit off. So we can go to a church and we say, man, the preaching is right on. The preaching has to be right on. Um, you know, but we're okay with singing words, you know, from songs like mosaic tremble, or we're okay with singing Hillsong. We're okay with singing man centered anthropologic, you know, songs, uh, that's hypocrisy. We can't do that. Worship is about the glory of Christ, him alone. And, uh, man, uh, incredible sermon. Uh, so anyway, that, that's just, that's just kind of, and then of course, you know, honestly, man, one of the best parts for me was the fellowship 
being able to meet and hang out with the grace to you guys or not me. I mean, I've, I've met them before, but uh, Jeremiah Johnson, Fred Butler, Cameron, uh, all you, Eric Weathers, all you guys, uh, man, spent a ton of time with Daryl Harrison and Melissa. That was invaluable. Uh, being able to meet Tom, I, I mean, just, it was, it was awesome, man. Just being able to meet people from social, again, we already mentioned that, but it was wonderful. So, so one thing I wanted to address and then we'll let you guys go. Um, one of the things that G3 conferences put on Twitter after the conference, they said, um, hang on, let me pull it up because this is important. Um, so Josh Bice tweeted this yesterday. He said, if you attended the G3 2020, you will likely return home thinking how the church worships. And if you're a leader in the local church, don't be ashamed to make necessary adjustments to how the church worships. It's about his glory, not the fleshly desires of people. So, and he quoted first Corinthians 15, 58, which is be stand, you know, steadfast, stand firm, be immovable. Um, there are some who would say, okay, yeah, this was a conference. So you went and get fired up and, and, and you may not be a leader in the church. You may be just a layperson, and you want to go to leadership with this. And you may get the response of, well, you know, th- these, these guys, these guys are just, they're just church killers. That's all they want to do. Yeah. They're they, conference they, speakers and church killers. They're conference speakers and church killers. That's all they want to do. They're just, they're, they're just trying to sow discord. They're just trying to be divisive. Um, I, I I would I would say this, uh, and and chime in anytime, brother. I, that's a very arrogant response. Yeah, especially when you take a step back and look at who these speakers are. They're pastors of churches, or they're people like Paul Washer who are under uh, elder uh, eldership responsibility, um, like. Paul Washer, his pastor, Anthony Matheny, was there. And and Paul Washer himself is under the authority of the elders of his church. Mm-hmm. And he submits to them. But you have men like, like John MacArthur, who's been a pastor at the same church for 50 years. You've got Steve Lawson, who was a pastor for, what, 30 years? Yeah. And yeah. now he's a, a, a professor of preaching at the Master Seminary. Yeah. Vody who was a pastor for uh, a great number. I don't know exactly, but a great in Texas. Year. And now he's, he's, he's in Zambia. He now started he, a, a, yeah. to a raise up pastors. Yep. Yep. You have Tom Askell, who's a pastor, right? The whole, yeah. yep. you have Cassian, who's now a pastor. The whole, the whole lineup is nothing but people who are pastors and faithful leaders to their flock. And, and let me tell you this. If any of these men are quote unquote church killers, one, name a church that they've killed. Two, if there is a church that they've killed, it was a church that needed to die because it was a church that was not holding to the sufficiency of scripture. Yeah, and that was gonna be that that was gonna be what I what I said is you look at the content of these messages and you look at them the the, the scripture that they were uh, expositing. Uh, was not taken out of context. Right. It was not ripped out, kicking and screaming out of context to fit a narrative. Uh, it was rightly divided, mm-hmm. rightly divided and applied to our lives uh, because these men uh, who have this experience see the need for equipping the saints for the works of service. They see the fact that all scripture is profitable, useful for rebuke, exhortation. Uh, They see that. That's the goal. The goal is not to elevate themselves. The goal is not to kill churches. That's not it at all. The goal is the purity of the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. And, And honestly, if... If that's a response you get, or you're a leader in the church, and that is your response, you sincerely need to check your motives. Do, mm-hmm. Is the ministry that you have? Do you see it as Second Corinthians four one as a mercy of God? Do you sit there and say, "Look what I've done. I've built this. I've done this. I've done that." No, you haven't. Christ has built His church. Right. You're supposed to be, and we are all supposed to be slaves, doulos, third level, th- th- third level under rowers. Mm-hmm. That, that's what the pastor is called to be, a lead servant, a lead slave under the great shepherd, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And one of the great things, man, when we were listening to uh, Paul Washer uh, guest preach at Josh Bice's church, 
one of the amazing things that he said was he said towards the end of his sermon, he said, you know, I, the sad part is, is I have to get on a plane and I have to go back home to my family. And he said, but if this has convicted you, then grab an elder. If you're, if you're visiting, then go home and grab your pastor and talk to him about this. He said, if I was an elder here or I was a pastor here, I would love to uh, nothing more than just to spend five hours with you talking about this. And half the pastors today in churches, they want to preach their message and then they want to go to lunch. And that's sad. That's really heartbreaking in the day that we live. Yeah. Yeah. Because soul, because he said, he said, your soul is worth it. Yeah. That That's one of the things he said yesterday. Or, or, yeah. It was, well, yeah, it was yesterday for us when we're recording this now. So yeah, uh, the, the you know, I, Coming, I, I mean, not... I mean, what what words from a church killer, you know, someone who cares an, about their soul, about the, yeah. the soul of yeah. a person that says, if this if I were the pastor here, I would I would spend five hours with you if necessary, yeah. if necessary. Yeah. yeah. And half the time pastors today are too busy trying to be celebrities. They can't get five minutes um, they can't give five minutes to a member of their congregation. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the whole point, the whole point was, look, you know, uh, just reminding all of us, uh, that the author and initiator of, of worship is the father, mm-hmm. uh, that the object of our worship is the father, the location of our worship, because God is spirit is everywhere all the time. Yep. Uh, and the nature of our worship is with everything we have. It's it, it's communion with God, but it has to be God's way. It has to be. It can't be anything else. And so, you know, if you see this stuff, um, you know, and you bring it to your church or you, you yourself are a leader in the church and people come to you from G3, listen to what they have to say. Search the scriptures. Yeah. You know, Thessalonians, test the, everything. First John, test the spirits. Acts 17, be a noble Berean. Yeah. Examine everything, if, including yourself. And that's what we've done. How mm-hmm. Drew, how, how many times did we send messages to each other yeah. throughout G3 and just going, oh man, this, this, this just hit me in the face. Yep. Yeah. So. And, but also if you're a leader in the church and you, you know, you're worried about people who go off to these conferences and they want to come back and, and kind of change the way that we do worship. Well, so what? Is it according to the scripture? Because if it's according to the scripture, then change. If it's not according to the scripture, then then don't. If the stand way you're firm. stand firm. If the way you're doing it is according to the scripture, stand firm. If the way you're doing it is not according to the scripture, and someone says, "Hey, I think we need to change this, or we need to add this, or we need to kind of tweak the way we look because this is what scripture says." Well, then, then be humbled by that. Don't, don't, don't be proud. Allow the scripture to teach you. That's right. Remember text is king. Mm -hmm. The text is king. That's right. So not, uh, not, not frameworks, not church planning organizations, not, not networks, scripture, scripture. That's right. The scripture is king. That other stuff is good. But it has to be it has to be tested by and compared to uh, the the infallible, inerrant, and completely sufficient Word of God mm-hmm. in all things. That's right. In all things. So, so I hope you guys heard our heart. That wasn't you know we're not trying to be feisty. We're not. Yeah, I mean, uh, we are it, feisty, but <laughs> we are. But it's a it's necessary because there are uh, too many churches today that are too lax with how they approach worship. I agree. They're too lax in in their own churches. They, what you see is not enough care for the soul Mm. of the congregation. Mm -hmm. And that is the one thing ultimately that needs to change. Because when, when your heart changes to the care of the souls within your congregation, then uh, how you do things is going to change. Yeah. Amen. And that's just that's just natural. This is by nature. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. In all in all things. Mm-hmm. In all things, and that, that 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 you know that that goes for all of us. 
Um, you know, that there were, there were definitely some big things that the Lord convicted me of at the conference when it comes to personal worship and family worship. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and again, like I, that's one of the things the Lord's called me to is to be a, a, a lead worshiper as I like to call it. Um, uh, you know, and, and as someone who does feel called to, to exposit the word, like, I mean, to make sure that I am constantly checking myself. And I'm constantly testing anything that I do against the backdrop of his holy word. Yep. Amen. So with that, we are going to get out of here. Head on over to patreon.com slash matter of theology and partner with us. Also, head on over to the Just Thinking podcast. Listen to Daryl and Virgil. Listen to what they have to say because they're awesome. They are awesome. I mean, and there's also a number of other podcasts we can recommend. Uh, we may do that next time. You know what? Every podcast, we may recommend a different. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. You know, who cares? It's not a competition. That's... No. <laughs> I mean, as long, you know, as long as you are teaching and proclaiming the truths of the gospel of the of the one uh, Christ Jesus, um, we have no problem lifting you above ourselves. Same team, baby. Same. Same team. team. Same team. That's right. So we're going to get out of here. Y'all get out of here. Go learn something about worship. By the way, do you understand why now submission is just disobedience or, or an, inability, an inability to to submit is a worship problem? Yeah. Yep. And if you want some resources, and uh, uh, here's here's a couple real quick, just some resources about worship that you can read. Uh, uh, the Attributes of God by A.W. Pink that I just mentioned. Uh, it's very devotional, uh, but learning about the attributes of God is key. You can't worship a God you don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, worship the Ultimate Priority by Dr. John MacArthur. Uh, the Holiness of God by Dr. R.C. Sproul. Uh, check them out. And The Existence and Attributes of God by Stephen Charnock. Yes. Boom. We're out of here. Later. Bye-bye.